The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, The Rock Place, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Welcome in Southern Middle Tennessee. It is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. A beautiful day here in cool Columbia, Tennessee. Hope you guys are ready for another week of high school sports action because it's going to get here a little sooner than we thought. (laughs) Before we get into that, though, Mo, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? How you feeling? Uh, I'm considering how long we've been up this morning. I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I you know from the time we we received our swag from Jones and Ling, mm-hmm. we've not matched <laughs> yet. We've done a pretty good job of that. That day's over. Yep. Yeah. It has yeah. it has ended. Yeah. We, when we did the video, we would always wear our gray shirts, but like, but that, that was, was on that was that was, on that was intentional. Yeah, that yeah. was on purpose. And hang on, I gotta yeah, turn it around. I gotta turn my hat around because it keeps hitting the the mic stand. Anyway, we are pretty much uh, twin twinning it this morning. We we did the Bobsy twins thing this morning purely accidentally. It's all right. It happens. But we look good though. Hey. This swag from Johnson Lang is legit. Appreciate Daniel over there. I know he's he, he may be listening. He may be listening. He tries. We hope anyway. he's listening. We hope he is. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So as I mentioned, football. We schedules, we, we understand if he's not. Listening. We understand if he's not. He can't get he, he he can't get to his radio, which is apparently in a stock room somewhere. Yeah. They literally put the radio as far away from people as possible. <laughs> Keep people from changing it all the time, probably. Guess, yeah. And nowadays, it seems like it'd be a good idea to have be the ability to change it. Hey, who, who am I? Anyway. Um, as I mentioned, football schedules have changed. Yesterday, um, around 6 o'clock, we found out that the Summertown Eagles will host the or their game on Thursday night. Against the Lawrence against County Against Lawrence County. Yeah, and first ever Summertown Lawrence County game at, at Summertown, Summertown as mm-hmm. as we learned earlier this week. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I was slated to go there, but uh, I have passed that along to Maurice as I will be going to Lindsey Nelson Stadium for homecoming as Columbia Central hosts Stratford and they will commemorate the mm-hmm. 10 year anniversary of their state championship from 2010. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun over there and and hopefully the weather that they are moving away from won't come in early. I think Thursday's supposed to be pretty good. 
Yeah, Friday, that, in the on the other hand, not so much. Yeah, Friday is going to be a little, a little tough. Uh, you know, and that's, I get it. Um, there's sixty percent chance of thunderstorms. You never want this. It's not the rain that's the problem. It's the lightning delays. Yeah. Yeah. The lightning delays become an issue, and I understand the the moving of the game to try to stay away from those lightning delays. Um, but those uh, those particularly are just you know th- those are just local games that are moving to Thursday night. <laughs> yeah. Also, last night about we eight thirty. Yeah, we were able to get a little breaking news up on sm t and sports dot com, and. Uh, why don't you tell us? You're the one who who put this story together. Tell us a little bit about what you found out. Well, as we announced, I guess, early last week, Clarksville Academy is in quarantine. As a result, they missed their game last Friday and will miss their game this Friday against Columbia Academy. Because I know you're asking Clarksville Academy, why do we care about Clarksville Academy? Well, because Columbia Academy was supposed to travel up there for a D two West D two A West Region game on Friday night. Uh, Columbia Academy suddenly finds itself with an open date, having recently had its own two week COVID pause, not wanting to miss another game if they could avoid doing so, and so. Instead of playing Clarksville Academy, the Bulldogs will play at Boyd Buchanan School down in Chattanooga against Rabin County out of Georgia, um, a 2A program in northeast Georgia up close to the um, North Carolina and South Carolina borders. And what is particularly significant about this matchup is that Rabin County features one of the top 2022 quarterback recruits in the country, kid by the name of um, Gunner, Gunner Stockton. Stockton. And yeah. if Gunner is not a great name for a quarterback, I don't know what is. Well, and, unless you're a Notre Dame fan and you watched Gunner Kyle. Well, you know, that's Notre Dame. That guy was, oof. Yeah. He struggled there and Cincinnati for Tommy Tuberville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of great connections there. Anyway, Gunnar Stockton has led Rabin County to a 5-1 and one record. Um, in those six games, he has racked up more than 2,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. Okay. Bulldogs I mean, going to have their hands full Friday night <laughs> at Boyd Buchanan. Yeah, I don't I, – I certainly think the – the winged T offense and trying to hold the ball as long as possible. Keep that guy from, from having it in his hands is, well, is key. I'm afraid he may not have it in his hands very long when he does have it yeah, in his hands. That may be true too. You know, it's, it's a matter of hold the ball, score as much as possible. Yeah. Cause it's going to be tough to stop that kid. Now in their defense, Columbia Academy is coming off a 43, 21 win over Tipton Rosemark for their first win of the season. So, um, a game in which they were able to get to the quarterback, but again, I don't think he had the the mobile ability of Stockton. I, I don't think the Tipton Rosemark quarterback is committed to South Carolina. I'm pretty sure that's that's I accurate. Think, I think you'd have come up with that while you were. I think over I would there. have found out. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But anyway, this is um it's a pretty big deal. And speaking to Charlie Lansdale last night again, we've got a story on this on the website 
at sm-tnsports.com. Um, said it came together relatively quickly. The Rabin County coach, J. Bo Shaw, had texted him Monday, reaching out, looking for a game. I guess they had some mutual acquaintances and um, found out that CA was open and obviously Rabin County was looking and they were able to put this together. But Coach Lansdale feels like this is a game that will help them get ready for the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I'd say that's that's pretty accurate. Um, with their win against Tipton Rosemark, with their COVID win that they're going to get against Clarksville Academy, and they play the, Fayette. at Fayette Academy, which is winless. So those three wins should – I think that puts them in the playoffs. Three uh, wins would absolutely get them in the playoffs. Especially no those three wins because I think it gives them the tiebreakers tie over, over the other three. Yeah. Correct. So they would um, line up probably against Middle Tennessee Christian and Jackson Christian early in the playoffs, and he seems to feel like facing – Mr. Stockton and this Rabin County offense will help them get ready for whatever challenges the postseason might present for them. So be an interesting game to keep an eye on. It's a 6.30 Central Time kickoff, and it will be on the NFHS network for locals that don't want to drive to Chattanooga. Although driving to Chattanooga is better than driving five hours to Tiger, Georgia, which is where Rabin County is located. Right. So you might, I mean, could be worse. That's could what, be worse. That's Absolutely. what we're going to say. All right, real quick, we want to go over a couple of results from yesterday. Of course, as we told you on the show yesterday, Summertown, a 3-0 winner over Meigs County, previously undefeated Meigs County. They took on Watertown at Stewart's Creek High School this morning at 930. We'll keep you updated throughout the show on that one once again. At noon today, Loretto will take on Sell Creek. Loretto, a 3-0 straight set winner over South Green. And Sell Creek, a straight set winner over Halls. Uh, that is the Class A State Girls Volleyball Tournament. Also last night, we had some soccer action. Had a little postseason soccer action. Um, Richland in Region 3A semifinal action defeated visiting Harper 3-2. Um, Lexi Waldron scored a pair early. Grayson Bailey got the, the game winner late, and Richland will play again at home on Thursday against Valor Collegiate, which defeated Hickman County 3-1 in the other semifinal on Tuesday. Um, both Richland and Valor Collegiate will play in Saturday's Class A sectional round with Thursday's game determining who will host in that round. So congratulations to the Lady Raiders and good luck on Thursday evening. That's right. All right, once again, we have Summertown and Loretto volleyball today, Richland soccer tomorrow. We'll keep you apprised on that on the scheduling for volleyball mm-hmm. as it continues after today. Also, we will have coverage on sm-tnsports.com. When we come back from a quick break, we are going to talk with Richland head football coach Nick Patterson. His team is they're in a position where they're pretty much going to have to win uh, on Friday night to continue their playoff hopes. And, uh, well, put it this way, they've got a tough one. they got a tough two-week stretch. They go to Moore County this week. So we'll talk to him about his 
visit to Lynchburg against the Host Raiders when we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Again, to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Once again, high school football action has changed this week. Summertown will host Lawrence County on Thursday. Central's homecoming game will be also on Thursday, and they will, again, honor that 2010 state champion team. Lots of Playoff implications are, I mean, week 10 and week 11, especially in our area, is a massive couple of weeks for playoff potential and playoff seeding and to see who gets into the playoffs. And one of those teams fighting for a playoff spot but still controlling its own destiny is the Richland Raiders. Richland coming off a 30-13 loss uh, to Cornersville on Friday at home, but they travel to Moore County on Friday this week. We assume it's still Friday. We'll ask him in just a second because joining us now is head football coach down in Linville, Nick Patterson. Coach, welcome in. Thank you. How you doing? Doing well, Coach. So, as as Chris alluded to, we've had two games moved to Thursday night. Summertown is hosting Lawrence County, and Columbia Central is hosting Stratford. Your game with Moore County over at Lynchburg, when is that? It is Friday night. Okay. Friday. All right. All right. That, that's good to know. Um, what are your thoughts heading in there um, with regards to the postseason implications? Uh, you know, we told our kids that we're kind of in playoff mode right now, uh, you know, and uh, really have been all season in terms of a region, but more so even now, uh, you know, every night's super important. Uh, these last two are really the last three. Uh, of course, we let one slip away last Friday, but uh, this week versus Moore County and next week versus Huntland are, 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 are huge in terms of our postseason life, so we've got to get it done. Okay, and this Moore County game in particular, you know, I would have thought coming into the year that there were going to be some questions about this team with the late coaching change that they had and and kind of the up and down somewhat inconsistent season that they had last year. But they have um, 
would you say they've been the surprise of Region 518 at this point? Uh, I don't know about surprise. They they got a really big senior class. They're they're 18, 19 strong in the senior class. And when you get that 1A football, you you know, you got the makings of a prediction team when you're talking about having 18-year-olds on the field versus 14, 15, 16-year-olds. I mean, it makes a difference. And, uh, of course, Coach White, uh, he, he and I both came from Riverdale and played for Coach Gary Rankin. Um, you know, and he's he's coached with some good coaches. He's a good coach, uh, and got a son that's a, that's a good time, big time ball player for him, and and added to that group of seniors. So, um, you know, kind of knew that they would they would be an experienced bunch coming in, and uh, and that they would have good coaching as well. So, uh, they've done a good job. Coach, as you look at what your team has done to this point, you've had. You kind of had that up and down season yourself. That's it's kind of been inconsistent for you guys. What is it about this week that makes you feel like you can turn that around and, and get back on the winning track? Well, you know, we're just we're still looking to to play a complete ball game. I don't feel like we've played one yet this season, like you said. Uh, we've been in every game at at different points and various times in the game. The other night. You know, we cut it to two points in the third and have all the momentum. And, uh, you know, we just – we got to find a way to uh, not beat ourselves. Uh, that's that's hurt us tremendously. But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we feel like, you know, we match up, you know, with, with everybody. But we feel like we match up well this week too. Um, you know, it's not a not a thing where, where we're just out-athleted or outsized or anything like that in any week. We just – don't do a good job of handling adversity, handling big plays when they happen, and, and overcoming those and get the momentum back. And uh, you know, it's just part of our uh, maturation as a team that we're still trying to overcome a little bit. Speaking of that maturation, having having the experience on the field of guys like Austin Seals, especially even though it's Week Ten, Sam Edwards still young as a quarterback in his first full season. What is Austin's status, and do you expect him to split more carries with Trey Walkington after Trey's performance the last couple of weeks? Yeah, Austin should be. Uh, he's back. He's getting reps this week. Um, you know, the shoulder's feeling good. Uh, so we, we do expect him back in the rotation, uh, and that's a big bonus for us. Uh, Austin, you know, has, has had a great senior year and, and ran extremely hard and uh, you know, and just a leader for us. So that's that'll be big having him back, uh, you know, on the sidelines in full capacity. Uh, he had a headset on the other night in the coaching role, but, uh, you know, and that made a difference too. But uh, he should be back and ready to go. And, and, you know, I think these seniors are starting to understand that their time is winding down and that they have to to, to, to make an incredible push here the last couple of weeks to, to get that extension, you know, that is the postseason and add a week to their football career. Speaking with Nick Patterson, the football coach at, at Richland, as they head into um, a couple of very pivotal regular season contests, first off at Moore County this week and then at home against Huntland next week. Uh, Nick, as we spoke at the onset of this season, you know, the – the idea of taking some momentum out of the program's first playoff appearance in a number of years was a big deal for you guys. To be able to build on that playoff appearance last year with another one this year, 
How significant do you feel like that would be for your program? I, you know, it'd be huge for us, obviously. Um, that, you know, before last year, it'd been a long time since they made the playoffs. Um, you know, going into this season, we talked about that being an expectation. I talked to my senior class all the time about leaving it better than you found it. Uh, and, and so that means, you know, trying to get a better record than last year, trying to get back in the playoffs, trying to maybe advance to the second round, finding ways, uh, you know, with big wins over some teams. Uh, to better yourself than, than last year. And we did that a little bit with Mount Pleasant, got some momentum. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we got hit with COVID and, and the quarantine and kind of lost some momentum there a little bit. But uh, we got a chance to, to rebound and build it back, you know, with, with this week with Moore County and next week with Huntland and, and uh, hopefully a chance and a shot at the playoffs. Yeah, with a couple of wins this, this week, you could potentially play your way into that three spot, which would be – ideal considering a return trip to Huntingdon is likely on the on the way at the, for that four, number four t- team so when you look at your team and again that inconsistency that you talked about you have you have made some strides throughout this year Especially when you look back at that first that first game against Rogers, thirty five nineteen loss on the road, it's it's obvious that you have seen this team grow. What's been the big difference in that aspect? Who who's been kind of the guy that that pushed your team to grow into giving them a chance to play for a playoff spot? Uh, you know, I, I, obviously Austin's carried us a little bit. Austin Seals. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, defensively, it was more about finding our identity and finding about who we were uh, and who we wanted to be. Uh, you know, we tweaked a little some things after that that first loss. Uh, you know, I've told several people I put that on myself, and I do. I think I, I, we, tried, we were trying to do some things that didn't necessarily suit our character and who we were. So, uh, you know, we kind of went back to, to what we felt we were good at. Uh, you know, and we, we, we do have big bodies here at Richland. Um, and, and so we, we wanted to utilize them a little bit more and get people covered up defensively as far as like defensive line and stuff and getting our hands on folks and trying to cover up our linebackers. And uh, so we've set forth trying to do that the rest of the season. And, uh, and we've improved as we've gone along. And, uh, you know, it's really been a group effort of, of just molding and, and we still – you know, we're playing several sophomores, and they've grown up a little bit as we've gone on and gotten some invaluable playing time. Sam has grown up as we went on. Uh, you know, he missed last year with the ACL, um, didn't get to play, and split times as a freshman, split reps as a freshman. So, you know, he, he was real young when we started in terms of just quarterback play. So, uh, you know, I felt like feel like his growth at that spot has, has been big for us as well, and he's done a good job of leading us and getting us in and out of the huddle offensively and stuff. Uh, we got a we got to do a better job of finishing and, and putting the ball in the end zone, more guys that are hungry to get in that end zone when they get the ball. And, and if we do that and play a full game, we'll be okay. You just mentioned Sam Edwards, and I was just getting ready to ask you about him, Nick. Um, again, a kid that missed his sophomore season, split time as a freshman. Elaborate a little on what you've seen out of him at quarterback in your offense, what you've liked about him. Well, you know, he's, uh, you know, very dangerous with his legs. 
you know, he's a, he's a, he's a runner back there for sure. Um, you know, we've been working hard and getting better at, at making the right reads uh, as far as our zone read stuff and making sure that's right every time. And then also in our passing game and, and making the right decisions there, uh, you know, and it's all uh, a learning process that you have to go through. And uh, coaches and I were talking the other day, you know, he, uh, he's a baseball player and, and really good baseball player. And so he doesn't get to do spring with us a lot of times until the very end and, and didn't last year because of injury. And then, of course, with the COVID stuff this year, we didn't get to do any of our seven-on-sevens and stuff. So, you know, really came in behind the behind the sticks, as did everybody in terms of, you know, getting those valuable reps of, of seeing the coverages and stuff in seven-on-seven. So that hurt. But, uh, you know, I think he's – uh, he's learning and growing, uh, doing a good job with, with our zone reach stuff that we do. Um, you know, and it, it, he makes a good one-two punch with our running backs with Austin and Trey in there uh, and forces the defense to have to, you know, do some things to, to account for everybody. Yeah, Sam, Sam has, has certainly played well for you this year. He, Coach, you, you talk about finishing, and I, I did want to ask you this. The last two weeks you've you've been shut out in the first half, and then you've – scored in the third you scored twice in the third quarter in each game uh, you know what is it about how, how can you translate what what your offense does coming out of the locker room at halftime to coming out of the locker room at the beginning of the game that's a great question we'd <laughs> <laughs> be better but uh you know i i just think and, and it's part of being a young team i guess but we're this late in the season we're you know we can't really consider ourselves a young team and you know that's what i told the guys the other day you, you know we can't wait and fill out our opponent we have to set the tone and we have to be the ones that do that uh and you know that's what it's kind of been like that we we've kind of sat on our heels a little bit and and, and kind of filled out who we're playing and 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 didn't really get started till the second half until we realized, okay, we can play with these guys, and that that's not what it's about. Yeah, putting uh, yourself in a hole is not ideal. Right. No, absolutely not. And we got to go out and set the tone from the very, you know, first kickoff and, um, and and play the kind of football that we know how to play and let the chips fall where they may. And I feel like we'll be just fine when we do that. Uh, but getting them to believe that is, you know, and understand that is is, is – certainly been challenging for us and some we're working towards and that's you know part of what i said about not playing a full game yet uh you know we we have yet to put together four full quarters or maybe even uh two halves for that matter of, of consistent good football i'm not going to tell you who we're picking yet because we haven't made any picks yet but yeah. we we know that you that you are paying attention when we uh when we, when we make our picks for richland <laughs> I keep I keep an eye. Yeah, motivation. That's right. That's what. That's what I said. Just use it as motivation. Hey, I'm I'm picking the Raiders. (laughs) I got you. Yeah. What What a cop out, Uh, Coach Nick Patterson at uh, Richland. Coach, thanks for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Good luck on Friday night at Moore County, and uh, next week against Huntland as well. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, guys. It's Nick Patterson at Richland High School. And, and you know, when we started talking about this season, we knew Sam Edwards was going to be a guy we thought would would be an impact player for them, and he has been. But, you know, 
really the surprise for that team has been Trey Walkington, the the newly found running back that they've got. And along with having him, Seals, and Edwards in the backfield could make this team dangerous on Friday. Yeah, I think um, – what is it they say? Necessity is the mother of invention or something like yeah. that. I think when Austin went down, he, he was expected to be – you know, their lead ball carrier, their their featured ball carrier in their run game, and with Sam running the zone read, as Nick said. But when Austin had that shoulder injury a couple of weeks ago, they had to find somebody to carry it, and um, they found something in Walkington, apparently. What do you have, 20 carries for 95 yards in that, in that first game that he saw significant action in? Yeah, he's he's run for almost 100 twice, yeah. um, you know, and – Really, he's been kind of that catalyst for this team over the last couple of, you know, over the last couple of weeks against both Spring Hill and Cornersville. Um, you know, last week he had 69 yards, and against Spring Hill, I think that's what I, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It was, uh, let's see here, it was close to, it was yeah 20 carries 95 yards so i mean over the last couple of weeks he he's definitely been their their guy and you know to see him you know the back basically your backup running back have that kind of game against a 4a defense a pretty good 4a defense like spring hill kind of tells you that he is a guy who can be dangerous and and um in that in that backup row, maybe he needs to see the ball a little bit more. And so, like you said, between Seals and Walkington and Edwards, they might just have enough weapons to go down to Moore County and um, give the host Raiders some problems in this one. They're gonna they're gonna have to if they want to uh, keep their playoff hopes alive. Again, they can play their way into that three spot, which would be huge. Oh, absolutely! Because like you said, they went to Huntington last year and don't well, think they care for the results. No, and and neither did anybody else. All right, when we come back, we've got a little local college action coming up, and we'll tell you what is going on in that Summertown Watertown big time Class A volleyball match. It just started moments ago, so we'll tell you and give you an update on that and an update on where you will be able to see some college athletics in the area today. Yep. That's going to be awesome. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Looking for a Halloween hangout? Patio West in Spring Hill is your spot for food, games, and fun. Located at 3011 Longford Drive, Patio West is hosting both a kids and all-ages costume contest, along with three different trivia games during their Halloween extravaganza starting at 3 p.m. on October 31st. Bring the whole family down for all the fun you can have in one place. Patio West, comfort and coastal eats in Spring Hill. Visit them on Facebook or online at patiowest.com. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. 
Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It's Wednesday, October 21st, which means we are 10 days away from my second favorite holiday, Halloween. What's your favorite holiday, Mo? I thought you were about to say Election Day. <laughs> a few few more days from that, yeah. Yeah, not a big fan. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, goodness. I love them all. <laughs> Seriously. Any day I don't have to work, I love <laughs> And there you go. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I'm a huge Christmas person. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Less so once your kids grow up. but It's it's way cool when you got kids, though, and you can see their face on Christmas mm-hmm. morning. It. See that that's the thing is there's there's a difference between when what Christmas is, you know, when we when we have Christmas at my mom's house and we are able to just you know we everybody buys presents just for the kids like that's that's what it's for. I mean, we yeah, we get each other like one little something, but it's nothing major and then you know the kids are always just having a blast, and that—that's what it's all about for me. My favorite holiday is Thanksgiving, and I think that's because it's my grandmother's favorite holiday, and we always go to my—it's my dad's. Didn't mom. you just say that Halloween was your favorite holiday? I said second. Okay, second. All right. <laughs> what are you doing? No, I'm not listening. To I was you. about to say, are you not listening? Like, <laughs> just making sure. Deal? Yeah. Now, Halloween's my second favorite holiday, but that's because I, I really. I always just—I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of the the dressing up and the the. The parties typically, the parties are probably the best part. And plus, I always DJ a local party here in Spring Hill. Are you doing that again? So I get paid on Halloween. Yeah, I get paid to. Do you dress Halloween. up? I do. What something different every year? Yes, usually. Uh, last year, where are you I going was, this year? Last year, I was just a football coach. I had a headset and microphone, and had my cold Whistle? hat on. Whistle? No, no, I just stopwatch. I just happened to have a. So you mailed it in last year. I had a royal blue polo. <laughs> A, and a, a, Colts, a Colts hat. A Col- oh, because of Peyton. Yeah, that's that's how that happened. Uh, that I don't have. I didn't have a an NFL team. Yeah, so you're whenever, one of those. Mm-hmm. Whenever Peyton, whoever Peyton played for, that's yep. who I was rooting for, right? So, and then uh, yeah. So anyway, um, real quick, we need to give you an update. You, on, hold, you didn't answer the question. I'm who, sorry. Who are you going as this? Oh, year? Oh, this year. What are you doing? Yeah. <sighs> we. Typically, if Sarah goes with me, we'll do some kind of couples costume. Like uh-huh. a couple years ago, I wore a Coca-Cola shirt. She had a Jack Daniels shirt, and we were, you know, we mailed, <laughs> Jack it, and Coke. We mailed nice. it in again. We mailed it in pretty much every year. We did Forrest and Jenny. When, last year was Forrest and yeah. Jenny. Two years ago, I, when I went to the, the party, I went alone, and it was a coach. So last year, we were Forrest and Jenny. Okay. Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. From Greenbow, so you're, Alabama. You're still, you're still workshopping. This year, yeah, pretty much, okay. and and with with Sarah being pregnant, who knows? Kind of limits things a little bit. It, yeah, it does. It does a little. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm just hoping she goes. But so there's there's a lot of things going on with uh, possible costume options in those scenarios that are just running through my head. So yeah, we'll oh. just. On the break, you have to tell me because yeah, I got I, nothing. Well, I, I no, nothing is coming up that, so that's we'll, that's what I was. We'll, that's we'll why have I was to speechless. brainstorm that out yeah. for you. you maybe, know. maybe maybe our listeners one nine three one three eight one one zero one seven. 
931-381-1017. What can Text Chris dress up as with a wife who's expecting in March? Yep. There you go. <laughs> Crowdsourcing. What type of, uh, yes, expectant couples costumes? Yeah. That's it. There we go. All right. We okay. appreciate your suggestions, 381 381- <laughs> Nine three one three eight one one zero one seven. A timeout taken by Watertown in the Class A quarter semi. Uh, no, no, not pretty sure it's quarters. Yeah, because well, because it's a double E limb. Yeah, it, it's the the winners bracket quarterfinals. They'll have to win one more to get to the finals. So, yeah. winners bracket quarterfinals right now. Uh, Watertown took a timeout. They were trailing 16 to 9. It is now 19-13. So they've they've won three of the last or four of the last seven points after that timeout. So good timeout there by the coach. But I don't think that one made it through. So it's going to be 20 to 13. Summertown. In the first set, Summertown leads Watertown a rematch of last year's state state title game. Yeah, and speaking with Andrea Kelly over the weekend, and we had her on prior to her game yesterday morning there um, went over Max County. She said that this was the same spot that they met Watertown in last year, so they dropped Watertown into the loser's bracket. Watertown came all the way back through to get to the championship game. So. That's a tough. That's a tough row. Yeah, once you get down there, man, it's 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 no fun. I think there's three games tomorrow. If you if you lose today, you got to win three games at least in one day Just to, to get, get back. To the yeah, so that loses brackets, no joke, no doubt. Yeah, if you are looking for high school sports, you're pretty much going to be relegated to this volleyball tournament. There. All three classes are playing in Murfreesboro somewhere. They are at well, all three public school classes yeah. plus some um, Division Two. Actually, Division Two might be off today. I'm not sure because they only got four teams in each classification. And they played double they, elim elimination games yesterday. Yeah, so. because BGA was eliminated. But they finish up tomorrow though, so, so. they may be playing today. Anyway, like you said. Um, Summertown and Watertown playing right now in Class A, and Sale Creek and Loretta play at 12 noon. The winners will be done for the day. Uh, the losers will play an elimination game. No, everybody's done for the day after these two, so they're done after the noon matchup. And then losers bracket play starts in the morning at 9:30. So that's why you got that long day tomorrow. Yeah, it's a tomorrow is a is a tough one if you are. If you're in the loser's bracket and the championship game at 10 o'clock on Friday, which at Siegel, which we had speaking of talking in the break. <laughs> Hi, JP. We have some things to what talk time? about. 10 o'clock? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, oh, yeah. 10 o'clock we, Friday we, morning? We, yeah, we, we have some things to talk about. <laughs> so that's going to be we fun. We can make anything work. Some, some planning uh, and yeah. administration. We can, yeah. we can do that. All right, it's twenty three sixteen Summertown. Let's talk a little bit about some college athletics. In case you are looking for local sports, you can find some today. Today, you'll have to go to Pulaski, but you can do it. You can find them, but you you may have to go pretty quickly because um, in softball action, the Martin Methodist Redhawks, Lady Redhawks, Lady Hawks, whatever, um, they have a two o'clock double header. Double header. Say that three times <laughs> heddle. fast. Heddle. Double header. Double header. 
Martin Methodist and Northeast Mississippi Community College will play two games this afternoon beginning at <laughs> 2 o'clock. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and there's a couple of them, a couple of players of local interest on that Martin Methodist team. Um, one transfer from Columbia State and Haley Barnes, a freshman from Columbia Central, is on that team. So, chance to see some locals in action this afternoon again martin methodist northeast mississippi community college playing two starting at two o'clock and on the pitch there will be a little soccer action first touch at seven o'clock as martin methodist takes on martin methodist jv takes on visiting columbia state um lady chargers defending Region 7 slash Mm -hmm. TJCAA state champions. Um, Season hasn't been what they had intended for it to be this year, obviously. Um, Their competition schedule will begin after the holiday break, but they are playing a handful of games this fall, and this is one of those as they go to Martin Methodist. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Should be a Should lot be of fun. fun. Yeah, I, you I, can spend a whole day. You can start at two o'clock and spend all day long at Martin Methodist. You could make a day of it in sports. Pulaski. You could go down there and check out some softball starting at two. You could slip over to the Hickory House and get you get you a meal, and then you could go back to soccer between Martin Methodist and C State. Yeah, it's free admission in that soccer match. I'm not sure about softball. It's probably also free I would, admission. I, I would guess. expect, but I don't know that. Yeah. So, speaking of soccer, last night Nashville Soccer Club got a three-zero win over FC Dallas. I don't. I mean, woohoo! I guess I do like I do like uh, Nashville SC's hashtag though. I think it's it's everyone capital N everyone N. That's kind of a cool little hashtag. That's. I mean, it's not the only game in town, but it's it's pretty good. <laughs> um. Did you give a final score? I did not. It was 25-18 Summertown in that first set. There so we go. Okay. That's uh, – they'll move to the second set and Summertown in the lead with control. And we'll continue to keep up with that through the second hour. Yes, we will. And as we continue to talk about – and you might want to give a Brentwood Cookville score as well since – We could give a Brentwood Cookville score since since – We've got it here. Yeah. Um, Brentwood Cookville in the Class AAA quarterfinals. They um, defeated Cookville in the first set, twenty-five nine. They lead five-two in the second set. There you go. So we have a lot of local athletes in. They're doing a lot of great things across the country. We've got Shaq Mason, obviously. We've got Mookie Betts playing in the World Series. What is it about Middle Tennessee that that puts us, you know, gives us that that edge because it feels like David Price and it just continues to to be something here in the water maybe. It's a heck of a question and having been around it for the period of time that I have you get a lot of different answers I don't know if it's the influx of 
people you know this this area is booming i don't know if it's um some sort of impact from the from the titans and and all of the pro sports that we've had come into the area of late um nobody nobody seems to be able to put their finger on it but there has certainly been an increase in talent in this area over the past you know 20 25 years yeah yeah it's and and i mean we see it you even see it at the high school level you see it in recruiting and that kind of thing um I used to put together a list of the top recruiting prospects in football at the high school level, and there were years where you had maybe three guys on there that were going to go Division One, and now you're seeing a list of twelve, and you're trying to you're having to call out a number of kids that are going to have, you know, even Power Five type offers yeah. and that kind of thing so and that's, I mean, the- that's kind of where i was going with this because i wanted to mention summit being number four in class 5a you know their continued success and being ranked in the top five and that in class 5a is pretty impressive because it just goes to show the the strength of middle tennessee with beach at number three summit number four it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah. as we continue on and as we talk about recruiting and with some of the with the some of the kids and- that we're seeing congratulations to independent sophomore receiver ty lockwood yeah who six tweeted, yeah six five two twenty who apparently has an offer from tulane first of many or one of many I'm sure. No question. And it's it's only going to get better here in Southern Middle Tennessee. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those who have made it to the pros, including Mookie Betts. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, The Rock Place, and Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtvj.net. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is five minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock here in Columbia, Tennessee. And right now, Watertown holds a 9-8 advantage over Summertown in the second set of that five-set Class A state quarterfinal ma- match over at Stewart's Creek. Had a hiccup there. <laughs> Random. Uh, last night there was some gridiron action, a quote, the most highly anticipated youth league football game in Murray County in quite a while from what we understand. From, from what we've been told, not having the background in, um, Murray County youth football, I can't really say, but 
Yeah, um, the Columbia Nailers and the um, Mount Pleasant Tigers played three games at Lindsey Nelson Stadium yesterday. Uh, I think it was originally set for October 10th, maybe, but I think there was some weather in the area that prevented them from playing. I was out of town at that point. But um, so the Pee Wee Division, which was age five, six, and seven, uh, Mount Pleasant defeated Columbia 36-6. Um, big game for Kaysen Robinson. Three touchdowns, um, one of 50 yards on the first play of the game. Uh, Desmond White added a couple of touchdowns with Zane Odom and Brent, Brantley Brady scoring once each. Um, on two-point conversions. Okay, yeah. River Dean... Scored the only touchdown for the Columbia Nailers in that 36-6 win. Kaysen, with the three touchdowns, was selected the game MVP. In the minors, the 8, 9, and 10s, Mount Pleasant won it 24 to nothing on a pair of Mason Finnerty touchdowns and two Jakari Owens touchdowns. Mason was named MVP. And in the 11 and 12 majors, um... I guess the final score was eight to nothing. Mount Pleasant um, defensive struggle as Lex Baskin scored on a pick six. And I think that's Alex. Oh, okay. Alex. Alex Baskin, or is it Lex? I don't know. Is it Lex? No, I, can't I think tell. it's a Lex Baskin pick six. Gotcha. We're reading this from a from a um a post from, from Mount Pleasant. Yes. So a Lex Baskin. Pick six, followed by the two-point conversion by Kamani Cam- Camel. That was in what, the first quarter. And that and was it. That was it. No offensive scores in that game. Yeah. Um, Columbia driving late. Mount Pleasant recovers a fumble to um, to seal the victory. Lex is named the game MVP. So well, I can't imagine why. Now, go figure. Why was Lex the, the well, MVP? When you, when you score the only touchdown of the game, I guess that pretty well does it. And um, with with that sweep of the Pee Wees, the Majors, and the Minors games, the Charles Fowler Memorial Trophy is now held by Mount Pleasant. So congratulations to everyone who was involved in that event last night over at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Um, great job by the Tigers. Congratulations to the Nailers as well. We should have a photo gallery up on our website at sm-tnsports.com on that, so you can look for that later this afternoon. And, you know, to uh, answer any questions and to shed a little more light on this subject, Shane Johnson, part of the youth football program, is on the line with us. Shane, welcome in. Yes, sir. Shane, talk a little bit about the atmosphere last night. You said it was one of the most anticipated youth league games in recent memory, and the atmosphere had to be electric. Uh, it was wild, the, you know, when the, the uh, two major teams played, you had one team that hadn't been scored on all year, and that was the Nailers. And, you know, they, they played a great season. Um, they played eight games, and they've just they've just dominated people. And you have Mount Pleasant that hasn't lost a game in two years, and they were unbelievable, you know, last night. And to have both teams going at it, it was just it was it was just electric. I, I've never seen a youth football game with this many fans and you know people that just didn't even have kids in the 
in the game coming to watch. It was it was amazing. Well, uh, it was apparently one of at least that majors game was apparently uh, as good as advertised. Yes, sir, it was. Well, we're proud that uh, you guys were able to put this on for those kids mm-hmm. and the community. Glad that they were able to play some youth football this year. Uh, yes, is this the end of the season for you guys? Uh, no, sir. We uh, Our majors program is going to, for the Nailers, is going to the playoffs. Uh, Mount Pleasant, I believe, all three teams will make it to the playoffs. Um, so we should meet Mount Pleasant again in that majors division in a couple of weeks. Well, that's going to be a another big matchup, and we'll be looking forward to hearing more about it, Shane. Thanks so much yes, for sir. calling in and, uh, and, and for what you do for youth football. All right. Well, thank you all. Shane Johnson of the Columbia Nailers there. And again, you know, just the fact that they're getting to play, that's that's important. Yeah, with everything that's going on these days, yeah, you're right, because not everybody is. I, I'm, we're familiar with a couple of programs that decided to, to pull back for yeah. this fall and, and hopefully regroup and come back next year. So so that was that was a big deal for both you know, the Nailers program and for Mount Pleasant that they were able to um, conduct a season. Yesterday on TriStar Sports Live, uh, Chicken Man asked if they were playing against the Hammers at any point. Well, makes sense. <laughs> it is a great name, though, the Nailers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you know. Um, I guess if they're the Nailers, they would have then, the hammer. They, well, they're not the nails. They wouldn't. Yeah, if they're the Nailers and somebody else is the nail. Exactly. The nail yeah. The nail Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, real quick update. Summertown has regained control in set number two as they lead 18-15 with that last point there by Watertown. 18-15 in that. Last night, some Middle Tennessee connections as Mookie Betts and the Los Angeles Dodgers got a pretty dominant win against... Uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays in Game One of the World Series, which it it looked bleak early, but uh, the the Dodgers' offense woke up and gave Clayton Kershaw a playoff win, which is rare. almost as odd as what Mookie Betts did last night with two stolen bases and a home run. In the same inning, he had a two steals. He, he had two steals and a. Was it a walk and two steals? I'm not sure. Yes. Whatever it was, yes. it, the only other person to do it in the World Series was Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. Which, by the way, is a little weird. because it, It's a, it's an odd what? image in your mind that Babe Ruth walked and stole two bases. Stole two bases. That, that, that's the part that gets I mean, me. What was, it? A, what was it, a one-armed catcher or something or what? <laughs> you know? It's Jim Abbott taking the glove <laughs> off after he catches You it. know, in, in all seriousness, that – that was that was a little crude on my part, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a kid over at Cornersville who the Atlanta Braves actually recognized two or three years ago. Um, he was playing Cornersville Middle School at the time. I think he's in the, at the high school now who does have one arm and does catch and does do a heck of a job. And I cannot remember his name at this point, but, um, you know, I, I certainly didn't mean to offend anybody out there. So hopefully um, – we won't get blown up for that one. No, but, it's, it's not. But, that. It's I just, mean, if you look at the clips of Babe Ruth, you, you don't think base stealer when you see him. Have you seen him run? He runs straight up, and his legs look like 
like Fred Flintstone, like they're just moving <laughs> from when he's trying to start the car. Like that's what it looks like. That's the it's the uh, short choppy. The steps. image of the old film helps uh, with that image. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an illusion. But Mookie <laughs> was a a monster last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of taken me some time, obviously, to to get over the the events of the weekend. But it's nice to see a local guy on the national stage like Mookie and and to finally get the the accolades that his play has deserved pretty much from the start of his career. I mean, you know, watching watching the reaction on Twitter to to the fact that the Red Sox traded him rather than try to re-sign him and that kind of thing and the year that he's had with the Dodgers this year and you know, I I think he's kind of putting that bets or trout debate to bed for now as well. He may very well be the best player in baseball. I think you have to after after his performance in the NLCS, I would almost say absolutely one hundred percent. Well the thing about his performance in the NLCS was that he was not he did not have the impact offensively that he or the Dodgers would have liked for him to have had, but he made three catches in game changing catches in in three games that they had to change basically he completely flipped that series defensively from right field from right field that's what's <laughs> impressive and i think that's you know and, important you know, and, to note and credit to somebody for saying okay i'm not necessarily getting it done at the plate how can i still impact this game well, he figured and it out. Did it? Unfortunately, uh, yeah. No. Well, that shoestring catch we saw a lot, but it was the one. It was robbing Freddie Freeman of a double because Freeman hit a ball into the right center gap. That's a double ninety percent of the time when he hits it. He robs him, and then the very next at bat, Ozuna goes yard, and Mookie brings it back. So. I mean, it's a it's a struggle. And then he stole another home run later on in the series. I think it was um, game six. So uh, it's a when uh, when when you can brutal when you can impact a game defensively the way he did. I mean, that speaks volumes for you. But then again, to come back and walk and steal two bases in the same inning in the World Series to help your team to an eight three game win. And, oh, hit a home run as well. Yeah, you know. He's not the only Middle Tennessee connection on that Dodgers team, though. Uh, yeah, one snuck up on us. Yeah, Matt Beatty, a Belmont grad, is a bench il- infielder. For, first baseman. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a first baseman. He's a bench il- infielder for the Dodgers. Um, kind of didn't have – he didn't have a great year. Um, didn't have a great 2020, but he did make the postseason roster mainly because of his experience. So, so, you know, Nashville stand up. Nashville stand up. <laughs> All right. Um, one last thing before we get out because um, it is Wild and Wacky Wednesday, and we're going to have that in, in, in our last segment of the day. But we want to tease to something we'll talk about. Just a preview. Just a preview before Wild and Wacky Wednesday is Sunday's Titans-Steelers matchup. 
It is the third matchup of two undefeated teams this late in the season, and we'll tell you why that's important in that last segment. When we come back, though, we're going to have Chris Lee from VandySports.com. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk to him about Vanderbilt and what's going on in their programs right now. And we'll uh, we'll even let JP fanboy a little. <laughs> <laughs> Always professional, yeah. Gotcha. Always professional. All right, uh, real quick before we go to break, it's 20. 520. That's it. That's a that's a winner. <laughs> set number two. 2520. Summertown gets set number two over Watertown. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Are you finally ready to turn your outdated kitchen into a dream kitchen, but you don't want to deal with the hassle of a remodel? Call our friends Lynn and Kathy over at By Design Cabinetry in Spring Hill. They have the latest trends and timeless classic looks for your home. By Design Cabinetry is your solution to indoor and outdoor cabinets. Visit them at bydesigncabinetry.com or call 615-241-1195. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Welcome in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is another beautiful day here in Columbia, Tennessee, where Summertown has a 2-0 lead in their quarterfinal matchup and a 2-0 lead in game number three. So, looks like they are in full control of Watertown currently. And your screen just for us. Uh, Frozen screens. What are you gonna do? There we go. What what can you do? <laughs> you you can't do much. Um right now though, we want to bring in at twenty three minutes past the hour of ten o'clock, our friends from Vandysports.com. Chris Lee joins us. Chris, welcome in. Good morning. Chris, appreciate you joining us here. Um Chris is the publisher of Vandysports.com and has been on that athletic scene there on West End for 15 years or more? 18, 18. but who's counting? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, eight, 18 years in Vanderbilt years is is a lot longer though, right? <laughs> I think it works like dog years. Yeah, yes. that's kind of what I was afraid of. Um, no, Chris, just wanted to, what prompted me to, to reach out to you was, you know, we saw that Vanderbilt's game with Missouri this past weekend was was postponed due to COVID concerns on the part of the Commodores. They have an off week this week, and then they are supposed to play Ole Miss on Halloween. Um, as we were talking briefly off air before we brought you up, you you have a concern about that game coming out of the op- open week? Yeah, this morning I've had two people who are pretty connected reach out to me with concerns. And look, this goes, I guess, as the preamble that there's 
what, I guess, a week and a half between now and when Vanderbilt's scheduled to play Ole Miss. And, you know, there's time for guys to get cleared and those sorts of things. But I think there are some significant concerns. Um, I'll put it this way. I think if there were a game this weekend, I don't think they would be playing. Um, And I think there are some things that have moved – in a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to say questionable, maybe just bad direction in terms of them being able to play in two weeks from now. Again, there's a lot of time between now and then, uh, but I have some concerns that they would be playing uh, in two weeks as of right now. Now, you had the LSU-Florida game postponed as well. Besides that, the SEC has come through this relatively unscathed through this first four weeks, I guess. Do you feel like there is anything inherent going on with Vanderbilt that has made them more susceptible in this situation than some of the other programs? Is it just that it's Nashville, or is that even an impact? Um, you know, a, a couple of things were given to me off the record, and I'll I'll keep those under my hat out of respect. No bombshells there, really, mm-hmm. so to speak, but just background I was given confidentially um there's so there's a couple things there but the bigger thing for me and I've talked about this for a while um they've had some passive roster attrition uh in the last year they had I think if you include opt-outs they've had 24 kids or so on scholarship and this was as of about two weeks ago who had eligibility to play this year and they either forfeited it last year by transferring out or being run out or whatever. Uh, and then again, that number would include some opt-outs, which there's some that are public and several, from what I understand, are that are non-public, uh, including, I think, maybe some more recent developments there. So I think that you have a roster situation where it's not just COVID, but for whatever reason, it came against the backdrop of some other types of attrition. Um, and, you know, look, you get in that spot where you're short some players and then you have a couple guys test positive, a couple guys ruled out through contact tracing. And that's how you get, you know, in the low fifties or so where they've been, uh, which is where that spot where you're not able to play, which they weren't last week. So I don't know that it's all just COVID, um, but they've had some roster attrition issues in addition to that, that have kind of put them in this spot, uh, at least from my point of view. I think the SEC was really um, proactive all along with this thing and in setting that minimum number of scholarship athletes to play. Uh, feels like that was a pretty good move. You know, it, it's interesting. The number that they cited was 53, which I'm guessing wasn't by accident. That's what the NFL uses in terms of active rosters. and There's some leeway in there in terms of if you have – a group, you know, like an offensive line group, just for example, um, or a secondary group where you get hit unusually hard, where it wipes out a lot of a room. You know, I think you get some leeway there, obviously. And I think there's some cases where you can play with less than 53 under some circumstances. But yeah, I mean, there have been some uniform guidelines that have been set with some flexibility. Um, you know, at least try to deal with these things in advance and, uh, <laughs> You know, maybe we're going to see how flexible those things are in about a week and a half. I don't know. Chris Lee with VandySports.com. Chris, as you continue to, I guess, navigate through this weird COVID season, 
what has been the I guess the mindset of the coaching staff and the personnel staff over there as far as these kids are are they encouraging them to to play are they just kind of saying hey let's just get through this year and and whatever happens happens that's a good question um thank you you know obviously i think (laughs) there are always health concerns with some kids and and you have some you know heart conditions and things like that with certain kids and especially with linemen and and you would hope that a coaching staff would look out for for kids and i I don't have any indication um that that that's been otherwise at vanderbilt I, i don't have really a lot of concerns in terms of uh them taking care of the kids um but man, it's just it's just a weird deal because you've got privacy issues with HIPAA and those sorts of things. I mean, it's really hard to, as you dig into this kind of story, to, to see really what the root causes are. It, it's just been a it's been a bizarre time for all of us. Um, you know, in addition to that, you've got a coach who um, is on the hot seat. Well, I don't know if he's on the hot seat, but there's been a lot of speculation about his job security. And and that's what happens when you're 10 and 42 in the sec or whatever he is at this point. And, and having said that, look, there's not a power five place in the country that supports its coaches and its athletes in football less than Vanderbilt. Uh, and so I think you've got to add that as background because it wouldn't be fair otherwise, but You've got a coach where the losses are also piling up, where they've been non-competitive uh, in their last two games, um, and it's harder to see a path next year to much better things. I mean, they've got a quarterback who's returning, uh, who I think has shown some things and some offensive players, but they've got a senior-late defense where a lot of those kids are going to be gone. I know that I've kind of taken a winding road to answer your question, but <laughs> um, you, you've got a backdrop of, of health concerns and privacy and those sorts of things. And then you've got that layer on top of things. Uh, and you've also, by the way, um, got attendance issues last we checked. They're not letting fans in right now, but their stadium is getting overrun by other team's fans. And so it's just this really weird mix uh, that you deal with on this beat right now when you look at that program w- with all those things and it's just uh it's just been a crazy year well I, it, r- the stadium being overrun by opposing fans is unfortunately a byproduct of cheap season tickets and you can buy vandy season tickets and then sell those games to to v- visiting fans for much higher markup. You you can sell a single game for what you paid for those tickets uh, as for the season sometimes. So that's unfortunate. But that being said, it's still it's still high level college football. One would think that you know taking your kid to see a Vanderbilt LSU game would be fun. I don't know. Well, it, it's a product of a lot of things. Um, you know, you see this happen some with the Titans. Nashville's become this it city within the last mm-hmm. decade or so, and and so. Some of it is Nashville, right? That it's an attractive oh, place yeah. to visit, and so, uh, and and then add that to the layer of the SEC, where, um, you know, it's it's easily the most attractive school uh, city to visit. It's it's one of the few, you know, maybe the only big city, depending on where you put the bar there. So you you add a layer on top of that, it's it's a lot different um, going to a game in Nashville than it is Starkville or Oxford or or Auburn or any number of places. So you've got that, but you've also got the fact that uh, there hasn't been a winning season since 2014. And and, and to that, James Franklin showed 
um, that it was possible. And I know he was never pleased with the attendance, but they weren't getting overrun and outnumbered in their own stadium for the most part. And so I think you have seen several shifts um, on those things. Again, it's just a really interesting thing to follow. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, the bottom line is they've got to start doing their part in winning some games because um, I think that their fans have shown that when you've got a winner, they will show up in greater numbers than they have shown up lately. Chris, you mentioned Derek Mason and, and his perceived status. Um, I guess my question is, and, and there's a lot, again, a lot at work here from the standpoint of, you know, can you fire a coach in the middle of COVID? But, you know, the flip side of that is you've had administrative changes, that kind of thing. But the flip side of that is, as you said earlier, they've not done a very good job of supporting that football program or athletics in general. I mean, there's just so much going on. How do you – if you fire him, it's strictly because of wins and losses. And is that enough? Well, look, at some point you've got to take care of your program, right? And if fans aren't showing up and things aren't going well in recruiting – uh, to, to some extent, whether that's Mason's fault or not, um, you've got to interject some energy in the fan base. So there's that dynamic of it. The problem with Derek is he came on the heels of James Franklin. And you can talk about how the East was less competitive then and those sorts of things, but I don't really care what conditions you talk about. James had them in the top 25 at the end of the season the last two years. Um, you know, And you look across campus, and Tim Corbin is proof that you know, that program was nothing when he got there. He's winning national titles, and he's got either the best or the second-best program in the country, uh, depending on how you do the pecking order between Vandy and Florida. So I'm not saying this to say that things have not been difficult for Derek because they have. I think the school has broken a lot of promises to Derek. Um, I, I think, frankly, in a lot of cases, he's been dealt unfair hands. They don't have even – the basics that they need at times. I think their their food and nutrition program, which I think he has made some efforts to try to shore up. Uh, there's just basic funding issues with the school that have gotten in the way. And um, I talked to a source on campus last night, and this guy told me, he said, look, you know, they can talk about poverty and COVID and all those things that they want, but the fact is I'm around campus and there's still plenty of money. And you're looking at a school that's got, what, a – Six, seven, eight billion dollar endowment, wherever it stands today. I mean, Vanderbilt has always got the money to do more than it has with athletics. Uh, you know, you've seen that school cry selective poverty on so many occasions. Um, so I see this as kind of a two pronged thing. I don't think that Derek has been given a lot of the tools that he needs to win. Uh, but on the other hand, when you're getting beat 41 to 7 on back to back weeks, and you've seen a coach that has won against a lot of the same obstacles. Um, it may not just be a one or the other. It could be both. And I'm interested to see how this plays out at season's end. Still speaking with Chris Lee of AndySports.com. Chris, I have I kind of want to switch gears sort of um, to, a, to basketball because of kind of what you're talking about with wins and losses and coaching situations. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse entering his second year as coach over at Vanderbilt and certainly a an improvement last year over what what his the previous years were but he's certainly coming and made a big splash 
for Vanderbilt, especially this year in recruiting with uh, the signing of 6'7", 215-mile Stute out of Gonzaga from Washington, D.C. What's the buzz about that kid and the rest of this program? Uh, Miles Studi is going to be an interesting player because he was a back-to-the-basket kid in high school, uh, playing at a very competitive level in D.C. Uh, it depends on who you talk to uh, on what kind of player he's going to be. There's some people that think that he's not what he was cracked up to be in recruiting rankings. Uh, at the same time, he's also a kid who is sort of transitioning to being uh, more of a facing-the-basket player and sort of a, a smaller stretch four or, or maybe a bigger wing. So uh, they lock us out of practice. We don't get to see. It is hard for me to tell you with my own two eyes what kind of player he can be. I guess we will find out in about six weeks or so. But, um, you know, I, I think kind of touching on where you're going with this, I think that Jerry Stackhouse did some big things with them a year ago in terms of getting the momentum shifted in a better direction, which God knows they needed. Uh, <laughs> it after couldn't losing, go any other direction. <laughs> yeah, after losing 20-whatever in a row in the league. But I think recruiting is going to be the thing with him. I, I, I think that the guy can coach. Um, I think he's very smart basketball-wise. But um, I think that – I know that right now they're recruiting. Uh, they were ranked in the top 25 not long ago. I think that is a little bit of a product of the situation. They got a number of early commits and locked those in. And I don't know that they've got any more spots where they can use to sign. I think they're going to end up in the 60s or the 70s when the dust settles on all this. So um, I think that'll be the question with Jerry is will he recruit well enough uh, to get them kind of out of the the basement that they've been in? Because there's a lot of other great coaches in the league uh, and the other schools, for the most part, are beating them in recruiting. Uh, again, good momentum to end the year. Uh, but I think that's the question that everybody I have that I talk to about Jerry revolves around, will he recruit well enough to get them out of the spot they're in right now? Chris, as you say that, though, I mean, with the credentials that he has, I mean, as a former NBA player, as a guy who was pretty well – fast-tracking toward an NBA head coaching job at some point. What is it that makes recruiting potentially his um, his downfall? I think Jerry is used to the pro lifestyle. Um, I think eventually he wants to be in the NBA. And, and you look at what he did in that G League. I mean, he was the coach of the year there. And, again, you watch him coach – yeah, you feel like his players play hard. You feel like he did a lot to coach them up a year ago. You know, he had them in games. The Georgia one in particular <laughs> is one that I remember they ended the first half uh, with three walk-ons on the floor, and yet if Georgia doesn't hit a 40-footer for buzzer, <laughs> Vandy walks out with the win that day. <laughs> but recruiting's a grind. It's being out there in AAU tournaments. Um, it is asserting yourself on the phone and getting in touch with kids. Um, it is really a grind, and in the NBA, you don't deal with that. And, and from what I understand, that's been the criticism of him, is they're not on the phone as much with kids. They're not out there as much. And those are the things that you have got to do to win recruiting battles. Yes, I think being Jerry Stackhouse will get you in a few. Uh, but I look at what happened um, with the kid at Brentwood Academy, whose name escapes me. Uh, that, that was a kid where they had a shot. Um, you know, the, the five-star kid who a lot of people think is going to be better than Darius Garland. The and Fitzgerald say the kid. Name, yes. Um, 
But that's one where it was a little bothersome to me that I think they had a jump there and they didn't wind up in his top 10, uh, but TSU did. Um, I think that's a little bit of a concerning sign uh, when you've got a family uh, that I think had some connections there with him and maybe even according to some wanting that Vandy, mm. um, when you're not able to get in on a top player like that, even in the top 10 in your backyard, I do think that's been something that people have been concerned about. Okay. You know, Chris, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Candace Lee, formerly Candace Story, women's basketball player at Vanderbilt, obviously is now the AD there. From her time in this position to this point, what do you what feel to, do you get for, you know, how important athletics are and Vanderbilt athletics are, you know, for her in, in this leadership? It depends on who you talk to. Um, you know, I think that, look, it's going to be tough for anybody who's the AD there. And I think one of the big problems that you have is a culture around athletics where the school hasn't supported it and also an internal culture at the school to where I don't know that they've had a lot of talent in, in McGugan in terms of um, support staff and some things like that that – that maybe other schools have. I think it was a big positive that they brought in Tommy McClellan and uh, Catherine Kelly. You know, they got two deputy ADs. Kelly has been an AD at a D3 school. She's been an executive AD at, uh, at Dartmouth too. So you get some like-mindedness in terms of how to work at an academic school. And then you get a guy in Tommy McClellan who has been the AD at Louisiana Tech, I think was a really good get for them. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Daniel Deermeyer really wanting athletics to succeed. Um, I don't really go publicly by what Vanderbilt says because I don't think they can generally be trusted. Um, we've had so many broken promises in terms of athletics. I go by what people relay to me in private conversations and meetings. The thing that I've heard with Daniel Deermeyer again and again and again is he would like to win. Um, and that he wants them to be competitive. He doesn't want them to get out of the SEC. That he knows they've got a long way to go in terms of getting there, and it's going to take facilities and commitments and all those sorts of things. So what I hear privately is that you have a chancellor who views athletics as an important part of the school, uh, but you look at what they've run up against on every turn. I, I've had so many promises made about funding and stadiums coming, and Derek Mason has heard those too, by the way. And it just seems like they just wait for an excuse to cut something down. And they've got one that's dropped in their lap with COVID this year. So, you know, I, I hear good things about the chancellor. I also know that that's a hard battle to fight. I think administratively the Kirkland Hall faction has not been big supporters of athletics. I think you have some big donors that have not been big supporters of athletics who a lot of times would – view athletics as a threat for fundraising dollars that should go to what they view as more important priorities. So to me, it's very interesting because I think you've got a chancellor who privately says the right things and says things that I think that would be encouraging to fans. But um, I'm at the point where I'm like, I will believe it when I see it, when they release plans publicly, when they put shovels in the ground. And I think that's the big thing to me is can he win the public battle 
and get the funding uh, because if he can't, I, I don't think the issues they deal with are just going to go away without some really strong leadership that is pushing in an opposite direction uh, than recent presidents, and, and I'm speaking about Nick Zeppos in particular, have been willing to push. Chris Lee, VandySports.com. Chris, thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day. We appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you so much. All right. When we come back, it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday. We got a little bit about the Titans. And just as an aside, Summertown has just advanced in the state volleyball tournament to the semifinals with a win over Watertown. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Looking for a Halloween hangout? Patio West in Spring Hill is your spot for food, games, and fun. Located at 3011 Longford Drive, Patio West is hosting both a kids and all-ages costume contest, along with three different trivia games during their Halloween extravaganza starting at 3 p.m. on October 31st. Bring the whole family down for all the fun you can have in one place. Patio West, comfort and coastal eats in Spring Hill. Visit them on Facebook or online at patiowest.com. <laughs> Back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. It is 11 minutes to the top of the hour. Again, Summertown just defeated Watertown in three straight sets. They move on to the semifinals of the Class A State Volleyball Tournament. Maurice and I will be there. Hopefully, if Summertown or Loretto make the finals at 10 o'clock on Friday morning, we will be there live broadcasting from Seagull High School. Ideally, both of them. Ide- well, he, yeah. I mean, that one of them's got to lose first, but they could play each other tomorrow. Yeah. So we're still working through the the logistics details of being there, but we feel confident we can get those worked through. Two pretty uh, pretty dominant teams in that Class A division is Summertown and Loretto. Um, Loretto led by Carly Weathers and Summertown by Katie Burdett. Yeah. Um, Loretto has 10 losses. Five of them are to Summertown. <laughs> That's rough, man. Ah. Oh, speaking of two dominant teams, <laughs> the Titans and Steelers meet this week. Both teams undefeated. This is a reschedule from week three. Was it or week four? Week four, I believe yeah. it was. Um, this is the only the third time that two undefeated teams have met this late in the season. They are the only two undefeated teams remaining in the American Football Conference. Here is the the cool stat, though. Did you know that the other two times that two undefeated teams have met this late in the season, that the winner of the game has made the Super Bowl? 
Therefore, the winner of this game has got to be a lock for the Super Bowl, right? There you go. I like that. Makes sense. You like it if the Titans win. Yeah, you don't exactly. like it if the Titans lose. The Titans are going to win. I think the Titans are going to win, too. I, I mean, just based on, one, the obviously we saw the Buffalo Bills maybe not as good as initially thought to be uh, with their performance on Monday night against the Chiefs. But the fact that Tennessee was able to battle through some adversity Get a little test on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think that helps them this week. I just think that Pittsburgh's offense isn't as dynamic as Tennessee's is. I don't think they have as many game changers as Tennessee does. And so unless their defense is prepared to defend Tennessee all over the field, I, I like the Titans in this one. That's the thing is I, I'm not sure – if, I mean, James Conner's a great running back and and Ben Roethlisberger is among the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 15 years, but obviously he's regressed, I mean, just due to time. And Juju Schuster-Smith is their only real threat on the outside. And the thing is, I think Juju Smith-Schuster-Smith, Smith-Schuster. Whatever, Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I think is – one of those guys who is a great complimentary receiver. He's not I'm the not guy. sure he's a great number one receiver. And Pittsburgh is asking him to be a number one receiver. And that a lot of guys just aren't equipped to make that transition. I'm just – I mean, I don't know if that – I don't know what the – the difference is for this Steelers team and how they've gotten to this point undefeated. I think it's uh, I think it's a testament schedule. to. Well, I, I do th- <laughs> I do think their schedule had a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Giants are terrible. <laughs> uh, they did beat Denver, but that was at home. Uh, t- Tennessee beat Denver on the road with Drew Locke. Pittsburgh beat them without Drew Locke. Um, they beat the Texans by seven with uh, Bill, Bill O'Brien. O'Brien. So there's that. Nine-point win over the Eagles at home. Um, Anybody out of the East is terrible. And then Cleveland. Uh, this is not a schedule that you go, oh, man, that's – They're beating some folks. Boy, that, this is a tough ball game. Yeah. I, I mean, it is a tough ball game because, it's again, it's – you can, it's the NFL. It's the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, you don't you don't go undefeated in the NFL just off pure luck. You, you got to do something. But but when again, when two of those five games were against the Eagles and and the and, the, and, and the, the Giants. Giants, I mean, yeah. And the other two were against a, a Denver team missing their starting quarterback, and the Texans and the Texans With who their had their head coach. coach. Yeah, so there you go. So, again, schedule. All right, there you go. That is uh, our, our Titan. That was our Titans update. Sorry about that. Um, but now it's time for Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Wild and Wacky Wednesday is brought to you each week by JJ's Barbecue. Loaded Potato Soup is back over on Hatcher Lane. Make sure to check them out at jjsbarbecue.com. That's barbecue spelled out with a C. 
Again, located on Hatcher Lane in Columbia, and loaded potato soup is delicious. Just want y'all to know. All right, here's some weird news. Because bacon makes everything better, including loaded potato soup. (laughs) Am I right or am I wrong? Correct. You're not wrong. All right. Bacon makes everything better. Are, are we are we in agreement with that? All right, I, we are in agreement. So. We are in agreement. How about this? How about Hormel said they are releasing a face covering mask with a bacon scent. It's a breathable bacon mask that will use quote the latest in bacon smell technology, whatever the crap that means. Because uh, because the old uh, bacon technology is not good enough anymore. <laughs> you know, cooking it in the morning that's not good enough anymore. Building a bacon better bacon smell in the world will be the path to your door. Or uh, like this is very weird. Uh, it will give the wearer the experience of smelling bacon anytime they don't have the uh, protection accessory. So if you have COVID, you won't be able to smell it anyway. For the most some. Several people, anyway. The ultimate irony of ironies. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Uh, so, anyway. Maybe, what, that's, maybe that's how you can detect whether or not. If, you, you, smell stop if you stop smelling bacon, bacon go get tested. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's actually the, uh, that, that's the, the, the idea Talk about a litmus test. Um, the company will donate one meal for... Uh, okay. Okay, there's a contest for you can win a bacon-scented mask until October 28th at breathablebacon.com. Quote, Hormel Black Label Breathable Bacon is bacon-scented for an irresistibly breathable, heavenly aroma that you can keep all to yourself. The company, for every con- for every contest entry up to 10000 they will donate a meal to Feeding America. So, that's good. Go to breathablebacon.com and sign up for the contest. Get you a, a bacon-scented mask. That's bacon makes everything better, guys. Yeah, even masks. <laughs> I mean, is is it true? I guess it's true. Um, last thing, I guess uh, we'll, we'll we'll go through this one here is a. Guy comes out to his backyard and finds a cow on his trampoline. This is over in Victoria, Australia, which, by the way, they have the weirdest animals in the world. Have you guys seen their spiders? Jeez. On the trampoline. Was the trampoline off the ground? The trampoline, I, no, this is one of those trampolines that's, in, there's a hole dug under. Oh. So the trampoline is is flush with the ground. One so, of those. Huh? Yeah. So an an in ground trampoline. An in ground trampoline. Kind of. Yes. It's just it, there's a hole under the trampoline so you can jump, but you don't have to climb onto the trampoline. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like it's an, an in ground pool. It's an in ground trampoline. trampoline. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so you can just walk right onto the trampoline. You can walk right onto it, it but you got to step over the the springs because you don't want to step into no, that. No, you don't want to step between those. That's where broken ankles happen. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. You ever done that? Uh, no, thankfully. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So, forty cows apparently escaped earlier in the evening, and the majority had been rounded up before they found this one on the trampoline. Now. <laughs> 
obviously the, the cow was not bouncing and it took him a while to get it off. <laughs> but it is what it is. The the positive here is that they found their tramp the, the cow on the trampoline. There was a two people in England who were trampled by escaped cows and killed. So at least they got at off. At least there were no casualties. There were no with casualties the- with this this trampoline jumping cow. Cows gone wild. Cows huh? gone wild. They're, and cows jumping on trampolines. Anyway, all right, guys. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. same time here in Columbia, Tennessee. With This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stay cool, Columbia. <laughs>